Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory. And again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And... uh, Again, relating it to things that are going on in the world today. And you have people out there that are trying to confirm their place in political offices uh, as if if this man gets elected or that man gets elected, everybody will be happier or better off or whatever. And the reality is until men change, governments will not change. And uh, you're just going to get more and more of the same. And so we, we've done a couple of shows on this Measure 114 we talked about last week that was in Oregon. And we did it as an example to show you how easily, how easy we are manipulated and used and abused in society by people who are ignorant, including ourselves often as to what we actually need to do in order to have a free society under God, which is what the kingdom of God is all about. It's about being a free society under the power of God instead of all the powers of everybody else who wants to rule over you. And uh, governments are not instituted by God, by the way. Uh, Some people want you to think that. Governments are instituted by the people. (laughs) And it's either instituted by their overt desire for more government or by the sloth that gives more and more government power. And the Bible tells us all about this. The Bible talks about the government hundreds and hundreds of times and uh, mentions the word religion four times or maybe five times, but uh, mostly in a bad sense. And the reality is, is that God wants you to learn to govern yourselves according to righteousness. This is why he says, seek the kingdom of God, which is this government under God, and the righteousness of God. And if you don't seek the the righteousness of God, then you will probably go under tyranny, which is, again, why Jesus says that we are to attend to the weightier matters and condemn the Pharisees because they were not attending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. So, in our covering of that uh, Measure 114, which we're not going to do today, uh, I actually got up extra early this morning and uh, have recorded an entire show and gone over and edited it. And I'm going to put it up on our Measured page at preparingyou.com. So if you uh, take a look at that, uh, you'll you'll get to hear the show that I did this morning that talks about that subject. I talked to somebody in the government last night uh, that said that the uh, computers that you have to appeal to, to the state troopers, to have your background checks, to buy a gun in Oregon, have crashed. And so nobody, nobody in Oregon can legally buy a gun today <laughs> unless they've got them fixed. But anyway, they crashed and that killed all sales. And uh, they were talking about uh, behind the scenes, they were saying that if they, if anybody after 30 days who did not already have their background check done for each gun they want to buy, uh, 
they were going to just wipe this slate clean and uh, you weren't going to be able to buy guns. So there was a rush of people trying to buy guns because of this new measure uh, 114, which was is probably illegal on a constitutional basis, uh, but it's still in place and the people are ill-equipped to do anything about it. It was presented without honesty by any means, and that's what we go over in the program I just recorded and will upload shortly after this broadcast. And uh, if you're on the network, you'll get notice of it. Uh, But uh, if you're not on the network, then you may just remain ignorant because in that show I reveal the the huge, huge, huge deception that was perpetrated on the people by the media, by the proponents of the bill, that is simply not true. It's absolutely the reverse of, and it is distracting you from any real problems that we're having in the state of Oregon. And it's only going to make life worse in Oregon and your lives uh, more vulnerable to violence, what limited violence there is in Oregon at this time. But that may actually increase if history continues to repeat itself. But you'll just have to uh, go and listen to that broadcast broadcast because that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about something that even more looming and disastrous that is heading our way. But we're also, as we always do on Keys of the Kingdom, we will tell you the solution. You know, the workaround that Christ gave us that you won't hear about in most of your churches. Or even if you do hear reference to it, because it's all in the biblical text, uh, you probably won't make the connection. The same as you were so easily, Oregonians were so easily deceived about that measure 114, which is showing us the measure of Oregonians, which is actually the measure of U.S. citizens, and it's the measure of many people in many other countries. And uh, what are we going to talk about? I might mention that Reverend Mark Knudsen in that 114 a little bit as we address these things. uh, Because in that article, I didn't get to it in the recording, but it's all covered there. We've covered it many other times. I refer to Alexis de Tocqueville, quote, The greatness of America lies not in being more enlightened than any other nation, but rather in her ability to repair her faults. And this is what we have to look at is that, okay, we were deceived. Most of the Oregonians, I wasn't. Most of the Oregonians were deceived about 114. Actually, I did make some discoveries in preparing for that broadcast that I put together this morning uh, that I didn't know about before. I suspected it, but I didn't know how egregious the lies were surrounding that bill until I looked into it a little bit for but you'll you'll just have to go listen to the program and read the article measured at uh, preparingyou.com in order to figure out what it is they didn't tell you uh, because we're going to talk about this kingdom of God and the righteousness as a personal priority in each of us because unless each of us and of course everybody won't do this but those of you who do start actually doing what Christ said to do instead of what the modern church is telling you to do, and reverends like uh, Mark Knudsen are telling you to do. We're, we're headed for some serious, serious problems in the not-so-distant future. And that's on the horizon. I, I've seen it for a long time, 
but it seems to be pushing to the forefront of my mind, so therefore I'm going to share it with you. The death of the people in the streets and the good guy with a gun is an effective way to stop the, the bad guys with a gun. Newton doesn't know that, but the guns that are in the street are not the real danger to the American people, or at least the primary danger to the American people. The primary danger is that you don't, you're ignorant. <laughs> you lack knowledge. Uh, that, and, and it's reasonable that you lack knowledge because there's been such a concerted effort to keep the knowledge from you. And, and, you know, the, long before the founders of the American Republic, and I say Republic because America was not a democracy. Most of the founders were against democracy. Uh, you can even go back to Plato postulating that dictatorship naturally arises out of democracy. Uh, Americans knew that. Plato was, Plato's Republic was one of the most common books you would find on bookshelves in rural America at the time of the American Revolution. And, uh, and he was giving, you know, bad press to democracies. Democracies were not good. Republics were good. Democracies were bad. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, even, you know, Adams and Ralph Waldo Emerson were saying that democracies were morose and, and run to anarchy. And, uh, of course, now a lot of people want to be anarchists, but then, uh, it depends on how you're using the word. Anarchy is a government that does not have a ruling, you know, dictator or despot or people making rules. It's without archy, but it isn't without law necessarily. And a lot of people look at anarchy and they say it's without law. There's no rules and you can do anything you want. Well, that kind of anarchy is a really bad thing. But there are rules and there are rules built into the law of nature. And if you don't abide by those rules in the law of nature... Bad things will happen, and of course that's why Measure 114 happened, is because people are not abiding by the rules of the laws of nature. And nature's God. Because that's really what the Ten Commandments are about, is that they're about the rules that God built into the system. And we'll clarify that before we get to the end of this program, because one of those rules, actually quite a few of those rules, are being blatantly disregarded by your average Christian, your average Jew, <laughs> your average Muslim, because they don't understand them the same as they didn't understand the arguments for Measure 114, and even the poor arguments against it that were being perpetrated by those people who said that they were opposed to it. They never even got to the real evidence that they needed to get to because they're, they have blinders on. They don't see the whole truth. And this is why, you know, Republicans are no salvation from the radical left democracy, uh, ridden people on, on, on the left that they can't fight against it. Because they have blinders on too. It's like two boxers going into the ring with blinders on and they're, they're constantly getting blindsided all the time because they can't see the truth because they did not listen to Patrick Henry. And Patrick Henry said that he was willing to know the whole truth and provide for it. No matter what discomfort it brought. Well, 
I'm going to bring you some discomfort today. A lot of people are going to be upset by what I say. Of course, that's par for the course here at, at His Holy Church is that you're going to tell people the truth. People are going to get upset. <laughs> there's there's not much to it you can do about it. You know, even Congressman Ron Paul, when and he did not have the solution, but he saw more of the problem than most people. He says, our country's founders cherished liberty, not democracy. He understood that. And that was very important. Now, Karl Marx valued democracy. As a matter of fact, he said democracy is the road to socialism. And socialism was the doorway to communism. And, of course, with communism, you get communism's sister, despotism. It always happens that way because socialism weakens the people and allows tyrants to come to the forefront of and, and the positions of power in society. And that's exactly what Polybius said. That's what John the Baptist said. That's what Proverbs told us. That that if you sit and eat with rulers, you know, desire the dainties of rulers. If the masses have an appetite for benefits, as Polybius says, you're going to degenerate as a people. It's going to weaken you, like Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is that they were doing the same thing in a time of affluence. They did not strengthen the people. They weakened the people with systems of social welfare. Those are the kind of government that was created by Cain, by Nimrod. That's Babylon. That's what Augustus Caesar did. In order for Augustus Caesar to bring it in, he knew that people were governed by names. He, he says this. You can go look up Augustus Caesar at Preparing You. Find out a little bit more about him. And how, you know, and Marcus Aurelius and how Rome went from a republic to an indirect democracy. And one of the big leaps was under Augustus Caesar. And he said that all I have to do is is try to convince people that they still have their freedom. And we can fool them by changing the definition of words. And, of course, democracy is one of those words. Republic is another one of those words. And religion is another one of those words. We can also change ideas like the idea about the Sabbath. We can think that the Sabbath is a day and that if we just take that day off and and go to synagogue or church on the Sabbath, we will be saved. Because that is it's the people who are not worshiping on the Sabbath. That's the mark of the beast. There's a whole religious groups that have that idea that you have to go back to going to church on Saturday or Sabbath or you have the mark of the beast. All that we're going to show you very easily, very simply, by the actual words right in the text. That's not the case. You're still not going to see it unless you're willing to know the whole truth. And to know the whole truth, you have to have the humility to actually listen to the whole truth. So to some people, I will be attacking their delusion, or they will perceive it as that. I'm not attacking anything. I'm trying to tell you the truth. To people who don't look, go down that road and don't think that way, they won't feel so attacked. But will they see the truth? Because I'm actually going to... It's always when you bring up the truth to people who have been lied to and have accepted lies, they will think you're attacking them. I'm only taking all the time out to do this so that I hope you see the truth. Because without the truth, you will not be set free. And without being set free, 
you will become vulnerable to more and more tyrannies as they rise up in the world, all over the world, all over the uh, different nations of the world. And you will not find the answer. I, I don't think so for a long time. <laughs> I don't think so. You will not find it on the 6 o'clock news or the 11 o'clock news or you will not find it in your social media. You will not find it in uh, your churches. You Because most of your churches, uh, at least many of your churches according to Christ, are preaching a false gospel. And they're not preaching... Because they're not preaching the whole gospel, what they are preaching becomes a false gospel. They'll say a lot of things that are true and right, and a lot of things you know about Christ are true and right, but if they leave off certain elements, then what they're preaching about Christ becomes a lie by omission. And so we we want to get away from that lie by omission. So if you establish a democracy, you must... In due time, reap the fruits of a democracy. So what are the fruits of that? Of course, I'm quoting somebody again here. <laughs> what, what are the fruits of that democracy? With great increase of public expenditure, you will in due season have wars entered into from passion and not from reason. And you will in due season submit to peace ignominiously sought and ignominiously obtained, which will diminish your authority and perhaps endanger your independence. You will in due season find your property is less valuable and your freedom is less complete. Now, a lot of people, now you could ask yourself, who said that? You know, I'll leave it, I'll leave it to your imagination for a while. I may eventually reveal who said that. But, who do you think said that? Where, where do you think that, that originally came from? Uh, do you have any idea <laughs> of where that uh, particular uh, quote came from. So anyway, I'm, again, I'm not going to tell you. I'll just keep you guessing for the time being, and we'll see if you, you can't figure it out. That idea of your property being a less value. People said, "Well, my house was only worth two hundred thousand dollars a couple of years ago, and now it's worth three hundred thousand dollars. So my property is actually more valuable now than it was before." <laughs> That's an illusion. It's not actually the case. You know, all the groceries that you're buying in the store, the gasoline that you're buying in the store, their their cost is not going up. The dollar is going down. The thing you're using to purchase those things with, that's what's fluctuating in value. The dollar is going down in value, and now it takes more of those dollars to buy what you used to be able to I mean, I used to buy gas for 25 cents. But when I did that, the dime was made out of silver. That's not the case anymore. You don't need silver. Somebody waved their hand. You don't need silver in your pockets anymore. You don't need gold in your pockets. Of course, they did that back in 1933. (laughs) You don't need gold in your pockets anymore. Because you have these wonderful, valuable Federal Reserve notes. (laughs) So, anyway, that's another whole... But it's very clear... 
The Federal Reserve notes are not a just weight and measure, which the Bible says you're supposed to have just weights and measures. I was just talking to somebody at public school uh, that worked at the public schools uh, in the nearby community. And I was pointing out that they they tried to give me free school books when I was home teaching all my children. Uh, I had six children that we home taught them all. And uh, I was always collecting books every chance I could get. I was just had this passion for collecting school books. They had some that were, I think, were printed around 1990 or something like that. And they were throwing them out already. And, you know, they're really beautiful books and beautiful pictures in them and nice acetate print on the the glossy pages and they were throwing them out already because they got better books and so I was they wanted to give them to me and so I'm reading one and I'm just reading it rapidly you know going through several pages and as I do fanning through a book and then a page catches my eye and then I read that page and I, I read the part in there where it talks about the Constitution and it talks about the clause where it says that they shall have nothing but gold and silver as payment of debt. And uh, the interpretation in this high school book, <laughs> a social studies book, because we were already up to social studies by then, they weren't actually learning history, uh, said that, that means that only the government can print money. <laughs> <laughs> that was their interpretation of that, which was, and see, so you're teaching, they're teaching that to your kids. And it was, that was back in 1990. I mean, they've been teaching your kids lies for a hundred years. They didn't start off with as many lies as they now are teaching them. They started off a little bit, of, and, and most of those lies, again, were the lies of omission. They just didn't tell you. Like I said, you can graduate from school and not even know who Patrick Henry is. And uh, uh, you certainly don't know why he gave the speech he did. He doesn't know why that uh, the Declaration of Independence was even written. I mean, you always see these guys on the street corner asking people questions. And they're giving absolutely insane answers. You know, like, uh, who did we fight in the American Revolution? And they're saying things like, was that France? Was that Russia? <laughs> they don't. They don't even know. These are these are grown people. Go, some of them going to college, and they can't answer those simple questions. You're thinking like, my goodness, my goodness. Uh, they just somebody just related a story to a high school student asking them, you know, if you don't complete this work, you're not going to get a diploma. And the high school student actually asked, what's a diploma? So, anyway, so that like we have our work cut out for us. So anyway, we're going to talk about what the looming disaster is when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, did you figure out who was that? Uh, was the author of that quote. It was actually uh, from a guy who wrote a whole series of books on history. And uh, the quote that I mentioned earlier in the first part of the broadcast uh, was from a historian who wrote a whole series of history books uh, that uh, were some of the most popular history books amongst early Americans. And, of course, in, in his book, which was The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, he talks about the early church being a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire. 
And, of course, what I was going to talk to you about a little bit is how, and I, I talked, mentioned it in some of our series on that measure, 114, is that the early churches in America were also referred to as embryonic republics. But, of course, now, if, if you still don't know what a republic is, you at least as the word was defined 200 years ago, you may have to go to Preparing You and read the article where we quote the actual definitions of what a republic is. And a republic is not an indirect democracy. An indirect democracy is a democracy. A republic is something else. But the author, Edward Gibbons, is talking about that. Now, Edward Gibbons, I think his history is great, but he still is missing some things. I've read, I read his, uh, I think it's five, uh, part series on the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And I've read parts of it over and over again. And I quote from it a number of times. I quote from lots of different, I actually quote from Nomen Clavicatum. <laughs> I, I quote from Draco in 7th century BC. Uh, I quote the Bible all the time. Benjamin Disraeli. All sorts of people. Abraham Lincoln. But the purpose of quoting these people is not to establish an authority in your mind, but actually help you understand what it is that they don't want you to know. Because what the Bible is really about is the secrets, the mysteries of liberty under God. How you get to liberty under God. And there's all kinds of other men who have had the conversation pondering this same question. Uh, Like Benjamin Franklin who said, a a nation of well-informed men who have been taught to know and prize the rights which God has given them, cannot be enslaved. It is, the, it is in the region of ignorance that tyranny begins. And so, yeah, we'll quote lots of different people, and we'll take something from this guy and something from that guy, but eventually we try to put it all down where you can start to see this pattern developing. And, of course, the, the whole pattern, the more you know about it, the more you can reduce that, the knowledge of that pattern down into simple statements. But then if you give people those simple statements only and they don't have the background, they're not going to understand what you're talking about. You know, I had a teacher once, a history teacher. He's actually a terrible teacher. <laughs> but he did point out once to me, so I take, I take, I take wisdom where I find it. He says, that if you can't put everything you know down on a three-by-five card, you don't know it. And, of course, now, what what does he mean by that? I mean, obviously, you know, well, if you could say, I know history, that's a real short little statement. If I know physics. Uh, I know the traffic laws. I know how to basket weave. You know, that little statement means you really know how to basket weave. <laughs> you know? You really know history. But if you know, I know some history. I know about the Romans, but I don't know about the Greeks. Well, you can't know about the Romans unless you know about the Greeks. You need to know about the Romans and the Greeks. And what Christians were and what Christians were not. And you you need to know, when you say Romans, you mean Romans in 
300 BC, the Romans in 380. When do you know Romans? Because they're not the same people all the time. So if you can put down what you know in these little three by five descriptions, that would mean you know, the better you can condense it, the more you know. So there's the Ten Commandments. It's actually a condensation, a condensing of the Spirit of God that is written into the law of nature into ten simple statements. We call them commandments. We call them laws. But what's the penalties? It doesn't have penalties by them, you know. Uh, he talks about that later in statutes, uh, what they call the statutes of Moses. But then what are statutes? You know, statutes are actually trying to show you what the law is. You can break every statue in the book and not have committed a crime. Did you know that? It depends on the circumstances. Because necessity makes the law. The statute is the written record of what we think the law ought to be, or at least what the legislature thinks the law ought to be. But if you were in early America, if you were in um, well, early Oregon, if you were in the Oregon back in 1910, and you were on a jury, and the jury could clearly see that this individual broke the law, he bought a gun without registering. <laughs> you know? Although he didn't have to register it in those days because they hadn't made the statute yet. But whatever it was, if he violated the statute, you could, as a jury, because of jury nullification, you could say, no, yeah, he broke that law, but he's exonerated. We're going we're gonna to let him off. And they can't try you again. They're going to say, not guilty, and you can't try him again. That's the power that the jury had in 1910. Now, the jury's used it on, they won't have that power. And we've talked about that in other places, and that's not the subject of today. So we're going to get back on the subject of today so that you can actually understand what is really going on. And there was a guy who recently, you can probably look it up on YouTube, and, uh, you know, he, he did his best. It's kind of boring. It's kind of repetitive. I have to be repetitive at time myself, so I understand that. But it was only like 22 minutes long, his YouTube deal. His name is David, and I can't even pronounce this, Sweekert, which is S-C-H-W-E-I-K-E-R-T. So you can go look it up if you want. But he says some interesting things in his, I believe the Democrats did something really crappy during the election. That was the title of his uh, deal. And somebody sent it to me, or I somehow I stumble on it. And so I, but basically what he's talking about is your government functionally is an insurance company with an army uh, and last year's budget cycle, uh, he says 71% of all of our uh, spending is on autopilot. It's mandatory. It's already built into the system. And that may be true uh, to some degree. And uh, in his talking about this, that they're on this autopilot, it's spending that is just going to be there. Uh, only about 13% of that spending is defense. About 16% of that spending is what you would call discretionary. That's what, you know, Congress debates and everything. Uh, the, and then they can always debate and decide to raise the debt ceiling and uh, put you more and more into debt. And we'll talk a little bit about what what that all means. But the health care, Medicare, Social Security, and all these other 
benefits are, are all on autopilot. They're automatically going to be increased. Now, they can sit down and say, well, you're not going to get as much Social Security as you used to get. <laughs> they, they can say, oh, we're going to discontinue Medicare. And they actually did that kind of stuff in Rome. There was a period of time with, like, uh, Emperor Nerva where everybody had universal health care in Rome. Now, I don't know what universal health care consisted of. <laughs> actually, I have a pretty good idea. But it wasn't like ours. But they actually tried to create universal health care. It didn't last but a couple of months. But they were on a fast track to destruction by that time. So whatever increases you get this month, you can pretty much count on that, that they're going to disappear later on. Uh, but in order to provide all this autopilot spending... There's uh, functionally borrowed $1.375 trillion. And you wonder, well, what, what is that, that? You know, trillion dollars, $1 trillion. What is a trillion dollars? And, and there's a lot more borrowing going on in that. But I have statistics that he mentioned that says that's basically $114 billion a month. So they're borrowing $114 billion. I say they are. You are. If you're a U.S. citizen, you're borrowing. They're doing it for you. They're signing the papers for you. You sign some papers, and now they have the power to sign papers for you, which is partly of what that quote was about. Maybe we'll go back and read that quote again so you can find out what it is that you've gotten yourselves into. $114 billion a month, $26 billion a week. That's, 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 uh, what they're borrowing every week, which that amounts to about $3.7 billion a day. You are borrowing. They're borrowing in your name, which is about $159 million an hour. Now you can spread that out amongst all the workers in America. I mean, what is there? 300 million, uh, workers in America, but they're not all taxpayers. So. It's really the taxpayers that are going to be burdened with this and the children of taxpayers. But uh, it's $2.6 million a minute. You want to break it down, and I'm not sure how much that comes out to in seconds. But uh, the U.S. publish a national debt. They tell you what your national debt is. And that's far more than this little piddly $1.1 trillion borrowing for one year, and they'll probably borrow more than that because they're constantly they're firing up the printing presses. But you know we're in the thirty-one trillion dollar uh, bracket. I was going to copy and paste that number in, but it kept changing so fast. If you go to the debt clock, it shows you how fast they're they're changing it. But that's not even really the whole debt. That. That's that's a conservative view of the debt because it doesn't take in a lot of the uh, uncalculated true national debt that is going on behind the scenes because of unsecured obligations, which that that comes to a number somewhere around 147 trillion dollars. Well, that's 147 times if you tried to pay off that debt, you would have to pay in 147 times. 114 billion dollars a month, <laughs> and we're talking some serious pocket change here. It's it's coming to over a million dollars. It used to be fifty thousand dollars debt per citizen. Well, it's 
now close to a million dollars debt per citizen. And it's still climbing. And you can get, you know, like Stossel said, you can, now they've elected a lot of Republicans instead of Democrats. It's not a huge majority. There was no red wave. But the reality is, is, uh, he says, we're, we're gonna just go broke slower. <laughs> we're still gonna go broke. Still gonna be a day of reckoning. But it'll be a little bit slower with the Republicans in, theoretically. I don't really think it is because, because the debt is no longer what they spend. It's not enough to cut spending or reduce spending. That's not going to reverse the debt because of the interest involved. You know, they've raised the, you know, we were at zero interest there. They just take out a loan. Please just take out a loan. But, uh, then it went up to one. Then it went up to one point seven five. Then it went up to supposedly two point eight five. And it, it's it's moving literally. A hundred percent of all taxes that you are now paying in, it even uh, is going only to pay the interest on the debt. Uh, if you took all the money that every American earned, all the every dime of every rich man. Uh, every billionaire, you took it all and you tried to pay off the debt, it wouldn't do it. Uh, year after year, it would not do it. And of course, you'll all starve to death before they get away with that. The point is, is the debt to GDP, GDP ratio are like simply, I mean, the, the ratio is like being hung with a longer and longer rope. You're, there's still going to be that sudden jolt at the end. But you'll have a little bit more time before you get that jolt at the end. The jolt is coming. Yeah, like I say, you take all the income from all the people that will still not be enough. It's just, that's, yeah, I actually heard uh, Ronald Reagan told, of course it's a joke, but it's true, that they spent a quarter of a million dollars on a study to determine what is the ratio of happiness in America, and uh, you know what what's what brings about happiness, and they found out that young people are happier than old people, and maybe that's because they're ignorance, and we know ignorance is bliss, but uh, they also know that people with money are happier than people without money. I don't know how they're determining happiness. I've I've known a lot of rich people, and they didn't seem that happy to me. And I'm certainly not rich, and I'm happy just about all the time. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I think that that their analysis is faulty to begin with. But then the, finally, the healthy people are happier than sick people, <laughs> which that's probably true. But uh, so. Your government spent a quarter of a million dollars to determine that rich, healthy, young people are happier than poor, older, sick people. Which I could have told you that for a fraction of the cost. <laughs> so, but that, you know, that's just talking about the silly spending. And there is a lot of that silly spending, but what you don't realize is there is Probably the majority, the vast majority of this money that is just disappearing and flowing down some rabbit hole somewhere is all just cronyism and corruption. And we've done whole shows and we've got whole articles up on guys like uh, Mendelhaus and uh, 
and the guys who started the Federal Reserve and uh, the League of Nations, which led to the United Nations, and how they were bankers themselves, but they were trying to figure out how to give a bad name to capitalism. They had to condemn capitalism in order to bring America into a communist. These are bankers wanting to create America as a communist nation. And so they had to give bankers decided, and this is in their memoirs. I've read their, uh, I've read their actual notes for their memoirs <laughs> that they, they had to make people think that Capitalism was a bad thing. And, of course, we haven't had capitalism in America since 1913. And we've gotten farther and farther away from capitalism. And all the problems that you're seeing with capitalism is really cronyism and socialism and a blend of the two because they know that socialism weakens the people. Karl Marx knew that. That's why it was the road to communism. And, and I mean, and that isn't a new idea. You know, masses with an appetite for benefits and the habit of receiving them at the, the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others, they degenerate. They become weak. We've known that since Sodom and Gomorrah. We've known that since Polybius. We've known that since Plutarch. We've known that since uh, Proverbs. That the dainties of the king, the benefits of men who exercise authority, the legal charity of the state weakens the people. Write it down. Again, because it's been written down hundreds and hundreds of times throughout history. We, we show you all kinds of quotes as to the nature of that weakening of society. And, but that's why Mendelhaus and all these other guys wanted to bring in socialism because it would weaken the people. They wanted to convince the people that capitalism was a bad thing. All the kids that are coming out of school, uh, public schools, uh, even if they only go to public school for a few years, they come out thinking capitalism is bad. And uh, then they go out and vote. And they are ignorant. They don't understand what they're even talking about. Because they think that the United States is a democracy. And actually, the United States federal government is a democracy within a republic. And it used to be that the people were not a party to the Constitution of the United States. So when you... I mean, that's been ruled by the Supreme Court over and over again. I, you've heard me repeat it. But I have to repeat this because nobody else is telling you the truth. That the people are not a party to the Constitution. So we the people can't be referring to the people of the individual states, the people living in the individual states. It's the we, the people who sign into the government. Well, now, because of FDR, they have signed in. And a lot of other people, uh, like Cloward and Piven, got, you know, they targeted the black community with their social welfare, with the socialism that was creeping into American politics way back in the 30s and even before. And they have weakened the people. You know, we talk about Measure 114 uh, and this uh, gun violence that's supposed to be here. And, of course, if you go listen to that audio, you'll realize there is no increase in gun violence in Oregon. None. Zero. Nada. <sighs> Not a bit. As a matter of fact, what they report as gun violence, which even the CDC, CDC says is 
is actually less. It's only due to population increases. So the actual rate is less. But the vast majority of the deaths that they're reporting aren't the result of gun violence. <laughs> How did they do that? Right out in the open. And you didn't even see it. But anyway, go listen to the audio. Read the article. Get educated. But there, there, I noticed in that that they show a chart there how much the different races are committing murders in Oregon. And, you know, that, you know, and you look at it and there's the way down here, like this is little number two by a little tiny amount of people. And it's the whites in Oregon that are committing the, that little tiny percentage of deaths. But next to it is this huge, long red deal on the chart. And that's the blacks in Oregon that are committing most of the homicides. And you go like, whoa. I mean, but we know there's a chart right next to it on that page. It's a government page that shows that the population, the blacks are actually way down there. A very small percentage of the people in Oregon are black. It's only about 12% in the whole United States. But a very small percentage of Oregonians are black, but they have this real high rate of murder. And, of course, that extends all the way across the country. So if that Reverend Knudsen really wanted to cut down on black, I mean, on on homicides, he would have to just take away all the guns from the blacks. <laughs> I don't think that would not fit their narrative. That would not go over very big. And, of course, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I wouldn't want to do anything even similar to that. Because I know that that increased deaths amongst blacks in homicides has nothing to do with the fact that they're black. Correlation is not causation. It's not because they're black. It's because of people like Cloward and Pivot. And if you wanted to look that up, we have an article on Cloward and Pivot. They targeted the black community with... LBJ's war on poverty. In other words, they got them to sign up for social welfare through the state, which again is that legal charity. Legal charity is charity through men who exercise authority one over the other. They force the contributions of one group to take care of the needy of another group. And Clowder and Piven wanted them to focus on black communities. And they did. And there's a whole history. They wrote that they were going to do this. This is not a secret. You know, I guess for it to be a conspiracy, it would have to be a secret. It's not a secret. It's just a secret to you people out there, most of the people in Oregon, and most of the people in the United States, because they don't, they lack knowledge. Clarendon and Piven, yeah, it, it shows them there that they were invited to the White House numerous times by Obama. Because they knew that this would destroy American freedom and usher in communism, which is what they said they wanted to do. It's not a secret. It's like Mein Kampf. It's, it was published. We'll be right back. So, welcome back. Uh, so, like I said, uh, we tell you bad news, and then we tell you the solution. So, we should try to start on the solution here pretty quick. <laughs> we won't have time. But most of the solution you'll learn by doing. 
you don't learn by hearing. Christ was constantly talking about learning by doing. You know, you had to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. That was absolutely essential to following Christ. If you weren't a doer, you you were going to be out. And he warns that many would think that they're going to be doers and they're actually not doers of the word. They're not followers of God. He who does the will of my Father. That's the one he's talking about. So you need to know what the will of the Father is. And I can talk to you about it in general terms, but I can't I can't tell you specifically what terms you need to attend to, what things are should be on your priority list. Uh, there's a there's an author, David uh, Berlinski, and he's kind of an American author uh, who has written a lot of books uh, about mathematics and history of science, as as well as some fiction books. But uh, he's an opponent of evolution. He doesn't advocate evolution. Uh, he's a senior fellow at Discovery Institute Center uh, for Science and Culture, and. Uh, he dedicated to promulgating the pseudosciences uh, of intelligent design. Oh, they call it pseudoscience. We also talked recently about, uh, you know, the mass formation of psychosis, which involves Matthias uh, Desmond, who is from Holland, and uh, or the Netherlands, I think, there somewhere. Um, I'm actually I can't remember exactly what university he's with right now, but. Uh, we have a we have a page up on him and a page up on his mass formation of psychosis. But one of the interesting things I, I when I was listening to him and reading some of his material, he says there's a large number of scientists who are who believe that you cannot really understand what is natural, what is nature, what is the law of nature by the intellect alone, by those five sentences five senses. He warns that uh, most scientists are, you know, most of the really top scientists, the guys who actually produce are starting to think, well no, you're not going to get it if you just depend upon those five senses. So when we say natural or the law of nature, nature's God, that's where all your rights are, you're endowed by those rights, you're not endowed by the Constitution, you're endowed by the, this creative force, this this uh, intelligent designer that we call God, that we identify as God. Now, a lot of people use this term God or uh, Allah or, or Yahweh, and but those are those are just the words that they use to identify Him. In order in order to know how He is identified, to actually identify Him in relationship to what they're saying. You need to know what they mean when they say the word like God or Yahweh or Elohim or Allah. Uh, because that's, those are just the symbols of an idea. And we don't know what idea they have attached to those symbols unless we have a conversation with them. And that conversation cannot just be words but must also be deeds. Because your deeds are a part of your conversation, which we will get back to as we go back. Because this is really all part of the series of law. We've we've taken this side trail, this rabbit trail off with measure 114. And now 
were taking another side trail off with the economy in order to get a lay of the land and see how this all ties together with this very easy, very summed up gospel of the kingdom. Because we can we can look at the Ten Commandments and we're going to look at them before we're done here, at least uh, one of them, and that uh, can all be summed up. All the elements of the law of nature and nature's God and the road, the way, that's what the commandments really means, guideposts, trying to guide you to the kingdom of God, uh, can be summed up in two commandments. To love God, but then we have to define what do you mean by God? <laughs> because one guy thinks that God is telling them to kill all homosexuals and throw them off of rooftops. And uh, another one is telling them something different. And so, but both of them say they're listening to God. So which one is really listening to the real God or listening, and which one is listening to his own imagination? So it doesn't really tell you anything to say to love God except for that's where we begin and the other commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself but we don't know what that means either because uh, Mark Knudsen he thinks he's loving his neighbor by taking his neighbor's right to defend himself and his family and his community away from him we're going to take that right to defend your family and your community away from you. We're going to make it difficult for you to get a firearm. And like I said, right now it's impossible because you know, unless they've got it up and running again, last night the system had crashed and nobody could buy a gun legally in Oregon. You might buy it, but you're not going to get delivery of it until that background check comes in and it won't come in if the computers are all down. Thank you, Mark Knudsen. <laughs> you have made it impossible for the vast majority of Oregonians to defend themselves or to obtain the equipment to defend themselves at this time. And you think that's loving your neighbor because you said there was a health crisis of deaths due to firearms. And that we know that if you listen to the go-to measured at preparingyou.com, by noon, I will have the audio up there. <laughs> I may have two hours of audio up there that uh, will tell you that Mark Knudsen, there is no health crisis because of the presence of large magazines in the hands of private citizens in Oregon. And if you listen, eventually we'll have at least four hours up there and we give you examples showing you how large magazines in the hands of honest people have saved lives and that the real problem is a mental health problem that because people don't really understand what the gospel is all about you know 90% 90% in my opinion <laughs> you can, maybe I'm wrong maybe it's only 80% of the problem with depression in America today is due to the fact that all the ministers who claim to be Christian ministers are not actually preaching the whole gospel of Christ. Now, there'll be depression around anyway because even if you preached it, people wouldn't listen to it. But 
it's it's the fault of ministers like Newton, who doesn't understand that unless you're a doer of the word and not a hearer only, you're not going to receive the grace of the Father. You have to be a doer of the word. Not that you're going to earn it, but it's the doing of the word. And actually, he is preaching the opposite of what Christ said, along with 80 to 90% of the other ministers of Christianity in the world today. They are preaching the opposite of what Christ said in very fundamental terms. But back to those scientists who don't understand the law of nature. But what does this word natural mean? What does and why should we pay such serious attention to scientific propagandists who wish to insist that only this kind of inquiry makes sense, this inquiry of the five senses? It doesn't. And that's what uh, Matthias Desmond was talking about in several of his interviews. And uh, it's what people like Sam Harris doesn't understand. Sam Harris thinks that religious faith is on the wrong side of an escalating war of ideas. Science must destroy religion. But religion, as it was defined 200 years ago, was the pious performance of a duty to God and your fellow man. Religion today, Sam Harris doesn't seem to know the definition of religion, as it was originally at the time of Christ, because it was the same thing at the time of Christ. Religion was the pious performance of that duty. It was the daily ministration. It was the taking care of the widows and orphans of society, the needy of society. That was what religion was for. Romans knew that. But there was an element coming in at that particular time, and we quote people like Seneca and other people, that there was an element coming in that was not religion. They had another word for it. It wasn't the Threskia Greek word. Uh, there was a Latin word, because the Romans, of course, were not necessarily all speaking Greek. Most of them knew Greek, but they didn't speak Greek. They spoke Latin. And in Latin, it was the word superstitio. That's another word sometimes translated into religion. And superstitio turns this pious performance of a duty into what you think about a supreme being. So Sam Harris is misusing terms in one sense. I understand these terms have to be looked at not only at the moment, but in the time. Because if you're reading ancient documents and you're reading the word religion, you have to know what that word religion meant at the time that document was written. You have to understand, because that's what the author is trying to tell you. What that word is symbolizing for the author. Because words are just symbols of ideas. So what idea did he mean at that time? You have to reach out and try to understand that. And you have to do that daily with people in their conversation. So I don't want to condemn Sam Harris. But he says you have to destroy religion. Which religion? Religion that means the pious performance of a duty to God and your fellow man, which is the taking care of widows and orphans and the needy of your society through faith, hope, and charity. Does he want to destroy that religion? You don't have to worry, Sam. FDR and LBJ has already done that. (laughs) 
They've already destroyed the religion where you take care of the needy of society through faith, hope, and charity. That's what James called pure religion. The visiting of the widows and orphans and needy of your society unspotted by the constitutional order and system of government of the world. That's what he says. That's what he means. That's what those words meant at that time. FDR destroyed that. He destroyed it by giving you the opportunity of eating at the table of men who exercise authority. And Paul says you're not to do that. But your modern minister says, oh no, you go ahead and do that. Mark Knudsen, he thinks that's fine. Yeah, go to the government. Get welfare, get unemployment checks, get uh, social security checks, get uh, all these free benefits from the government. They should give that to you. He thinks that's great. Jesus said it was not to be that way with you, but Mark says it is okay. And so does, and of course, I'm just using Mark as an example. Like I said, I'll, I'll, he can come on the show and we can have a great conversation. But the reality is most of the ministers say that's okay. But that's legal charity. That destroys, that weakens society. It breaks down the social bonds of society so that you become a scattered flock. And you can't do anything about all the mandates that are coming down. And you won't be able to do anything about the economic collapse that is inevitable. So you need to change Now, so what does all this have to do with the money crisis and debt and all that stuff? You know, Samuel Johnson, that was the guy who wrote the original dictionary. (laughs) He said, he's the one who said words are the symbols of ideas. He says, all the laws of heaven and earth are unable to prevent man from his crimes. Surely relaxing the laws of heaven and earth shall not dispose man to better behavior. And so the ideas of Richard Dawkins and Darwin and and, uh, Sam Harris to destroy religion, even poor religion, which is what we have mostly today, is not going to dispose man to a better behavior. What would dispose man to better behavior is to get rid of the addiction that man has to legal charity. Man depends upon legal charity to take care of the needy of his society. You need to repent of that because that is what is destroying society. That is, has weakened you. It's... It's scattered you as a people so that you're now dependent on CNN and Fox News for the truth, but you're not getting it. You're just spending, you were dependent on the NRA for the truth about Measure 114, but they never even argued against the obvious truth that, no, there isn't a health crisis of gun violence. There's very little gun violence in Oregon. Today, there will be all kinds of gun violence once they get all the guns away from the people because what we also can see from CDC statistics is that the presence of guns stops violence far more than they cause violence. They stop deaths far more. 
and rational people who want to look at all the details and really learn it. But they've been sitting there jabbering in your ears in the news media, jabbering in the ears of your children since they were little so that they don't understand history. They don't know history and they are doomed to repeat it again. And when they do hear the truth, it is so foreign to them that they think that I'm attacking what they believe. I'm just telling you the truth. John the Apostle refers to when he's writing, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, what is the Word? It's the Logos. And we talked about that. We have a whole series on that. Where the Logos is right reason. The law of nature. Divine will. Right reason. They're all convertible phrases that we should all understand and comprehend. But we don't. Because our most of our teachers are false prophets. And many of our ministers are actually prophets of the beast. They're, they're sending you to the men who exercise authority one over the other for your daily ministration. And they have no daily ministration to take care of all the needy of your society through faith, hope, and charity. If you don't have that, you won't be free. So you need to turn around and repent and seek that. So, what does this have to do with the Ten Commandments again? What does this have to do with what's coming, the economic collapse that is coming, that we're seeing right before our eyes? I mean, go to the dead clock clock page and just watch those numbers just zipping by. And nobody, nobody you elect, not Trump, not uh, who's some of the other guys that they may want, (laughs) uh, are going to change that. The only thing that can prepare you for what is coming is you change. You repent. You start thinking differently. You know, if you go to our page on Sabbath, which is at preparingyou.com, just go to preparingyou.com and then in the search engine type the word Sabbath. We have at least three articles with the word Sabbath in it, but just go to the basic one. And we tell you there right underneath the picture on the page, which shows somebody sleeping under a bushel of, you know, a, a pile of hay. And of course, I think that's supposed to be Ruth and Boaz or somebody. I don't know. But somebody's sleeping. Somebody drew the picture long ago. I guess it's probably not Ruth and Boaz. He's wearing pants. So he's that's probably a more modern picture. But they're laying in the shade of their haystack resting because they built their haystack first. And that's what the Sabbath is about. Sabbath is about avoiding debt. It's not a day. It's a way. Taking the Sabbath rest after you work is the way of the Sabbath. If you're $936,000 in debt, which every citizen in the United States is that that much in debt, at least when I wrote down the statistics last night, <laughs> the, t- the clock is still ticking. You're not keeping the Sabbath. If you're signed up for those benefits, if you're expecting those benefits from men who exercise authority one over the other, those benefactors who call, those rulers who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. Look up the word exercise authority also at Preparing You, and we have a whole article on that. Look up the word benefactor, uh, benefactors, 
you just go up to that search engine, type in benefactors, and we have an article on that. Jesus said you were not to be that way. Newton says, you know, Newton, uh, all these preachers say you should be that way. That's okay to be that way. That the God created the government. Did God create Cain's city-state? <laughs> Did God create Babylon? God let you do it, but warned you not to do it. Did God elect the first king in in Israel? God said, you know, they want a king, you give them a king. Because they want a king. Not because they should have a king, but because they want a king. You know, it's like uh, the father, the kid wants to eat all the chocolate in the in, in the in the candy bowl. And he says, well, I don't really think you should do that. The kid says, but I want to. I don't think it's a wise idea, and the kid, but I want to. <laughs> the father might let him do it, depending on his age. But he will suffer for it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but... Uh, so the Sabbath is a way, not a day. Taking the benefit of taking the benefit of labor before the labor is done brings the curse of death. Debt, excuse me. Actually, it does bring the curse of death. I mean, mortgage isn't that the word for death? <laughs> Comes from the word for death. I mean, they used to tell us all this stuff. And now, again, there's a lot of people that have mortgages, and there's even workarounds. I'm not going to get anybody out of the mortgage that they're going to pay but there's a way to protect yourself if you come together in the way that the early church was coming together you can protect yourself even with a mortgage on a house but it's all this other debt the social welfare debt that's really going to be your downfall that brings the bondage of Egypt I mean that's what that was they didn't have enough money to buy grain to get them through the famine and that what was happening during the depression you know, the Roosevelt Depression. We should call it the Federal Reserve Depression because they're the ones who called it. Now, I say the Federal Reserve caused the Depression and certainly they did. They were instrument. They set it up so that we would end up in a depression. And they did it so that you would sign up for Social Security. They had that plan back in 1908. It's not... They understood how this works. You just don't understand. It's not a secret. It's well published. And they told you they were planning it. Back to the original thing that where the, the fellow on YouTube was talking about this. He says the government is this giant insurance company. If you read our article on Social Security uh, or the book Covenants of the Gods, it they had that argument when they were presenting the Social Security Act in Congress. And they said that the the government is not an insurance company. Specifically, it looks like insurance. It tastes like insurance. But it's not going to digest like insurance. <laughs> but you're really, you, what you really need is assurance. You need a network of people who actually care about you as much as they care about themselves. And that network needs to be at the core of it, the basic moralities of thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not uh, covet, you know, you don't covet your neighbor's goods like you do now through the system FDR is based on the idea that we will take away from your neighbor if you, you want these benefits and we will provide them for you. But the 
backside of that is we will also get to take away from you. And, of course, that brings us back to when the people wanted a king. In Second Samuel chapter 8, you can, you can just start reading that whole thing. And he says that if you have a ruler that can take away from your neighbor to provide you with benefits, he will take and take and take and take and take. And when you cry out, I will not hear you. And we've told you in previous shows how you get God to hear you is you start hearing the cries of your neighbor. You start caring about your neighbor. You know, this is why, you know, they have these plays and these where they talk about killing care. FDR was killing care. The natural social bonds of care that grow in a community that cares about the members of its community. He was killing that. He was murdering that with the Social Security Act and all the other subsequent acts, all the other subsequent benefits that we see. New Deal, War on Poverty, all this stuff is destroying society, turning them into perfect savages, which is why when Cloward and Piven targeted the black community, they went from you know, 3% or 20% single-parent families to 75% single-parent families. And with the breakdown of the family was the rise in violence. And that's why you find so many black-on-black crimes today. You find those black-on-black crimes today because of the implementation and targeting of legal charity in their community. And it's legal charity by debt, which is, again, a violation of the Sabbath. But we'll be right back and see if we can bring reason. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we're going to try to finish this up with a solution, of course, The solution has always been Christ. There is no other solution but Christ. And uh, although there are many other philosophers, teachers, and other people who were coming to the same conclusion of Christ. But Christ, I think, said it best, and I've I've looked at a lot. (laughs) But Christ said it best. And it's really important that we understand what Christ actually said. And not believe in an imaginary Christ. Because to believe in an imaginary Christ is idolatry. But idolatry is more than that. Because it tells us in the Bible, in the New Testament, that covetousness is idolatry. And so the idea of desiring benefits at the expense of your neighbor is idolatry. Because to desire the dainties of rulers, those benefits of benefactors who exercise authority, to desire those benefits is is covetousness. It is coveting what is your neighbor's in order to get what you want. So, but you still need a social safety net. You still you that's that's public religion when you do it through legal charity. Private religion is when you do it through real, fervent charity. And this is what churches should be doing. In order to do that, you have to gather with other people that are willing to do the same. And this is what made Christians a peculiar people. So when we take a look at this word Sabbath, 
and you can you can go read our article on the Sabbath. You know, I have a, a little part there where I ask the question, is the commandment about a day? Is this Sabbath commandment to keep it holy about a day? Or is it the commandment about a way? Is it telling us a numerical pattern, you know, based on calendars? Or is it trying to express a moral precept and principle within the law of nature that you need to work first and earn your free bread? And that would mean, I mean, you don't earn free bread by going out working, getting a job, earning money, or going out and planting wheat and you know harvesting the wheat and grinding the grain. That's not free bread. That's that's from the sweat of your brow. But the free bread of Christianity comes from those people who cast their bread upon the waters in hopes that it comes back to them after many days. Remember that quote from the Old Testament? That's what they're talking about. That precept of... And that precept is evidence that you care about others as much as you care about yourself. You see, if you don't care about others as much as you care about yourself, then you're not going to be free. That's why the these when you elect a king, he's not going to care about everybody as much as he cares about himself. As a matter of fact, the power you've given him will corrupt him and he will care more about the power than about you. Which we see in the story of Saul, King Saul. That he cared more about the power that he had than he even cared about David. And he loved David. But the power, the, the, the temptation of the power was too great. And, and that's how they get you. They, they dangled that power. We'll give you the power to do this. And this is a good thing. We'll give you the power to do this. But you have to sign this. <laughs> you have to give away this. You No, you have to trust in the ways of God. Trusting the ways of God is not going to have you giving up that moral precept and principle of righteousness. Because that's what, you have to seek that righteousness in order to find liberty under God. Is the law based on form? Is the law based on the letter of the law? Or is the law spiritual? Well, Christ made that clear. The law is not based on form and the letter of the law. The law is based on spirit. The spirit giveth life. But if you're if you're going to turn th- these commandments about life and the, and the law of life and the tree of life into rituals and unmoor their meaning, then you're going to end up nine hundred and thirty eight thousand dollars in debt. <laughs> which you have already done. That That's already where you're at. I don't know what it is in all the other countries, Australia, New Zealand. They all got it. There's None of these countries have avoided that debt. The, the debt is to the point where somebody else has a right to all the assets of this planet. You did not dress it and keep it. Somebody else has a right to all the assets of this planet. That's a bad thing. <laughs> That's not a good thing. According to the laws of nature. And and it's just getting worse and worse by the day. But if you repent, if you think differently, if you think like, yeah, it seems like it's almost impossible for us to turn this thing around if I actually start following the precepts 
of the Sabbath, the precepts of loving your neighbor as yourself, the precepts of those Ten Commandments, or those two commandments, you want to break it down into two. Because all of those commandments are based on the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't kill him. You won't covet his goods. You won't rob from him or have the government rob from him. You won't do that if you actually loved him. But people sit in their churches and they say, oh yeah, I love my neighbor, but I want more stuff. I want more free stuff. So I'm going to ask my government over here to take more free stuff. Or maybe you'll virtue signal and says, oh no, I want a Republican president who has promised to not take more stuff from my neighbor. But every one of them that promised that, they took more stuff from your neighbor. <laughs> they ran up the debt. Now, they may have done it slower, admittedly. I think that's a good thing, to do it slower. But I don't think it's really good. It's just not as bad. But it's still bad. You know, and that takes me to the story of the doggy do cake. Where you use the finest flour and the finest eggs and the finest sugar and you make this delicious cake, but you just put a dab of doggy do. <laughs> well, that's not going to be good anymore. And so it's the same way with your, you know, you think you're going to elect somebody who's still doing stuff the wrong way. No, before governments will change, men must change. You never notice how I start off with a few ideas and I go back to them at the end. So we know we're drawing near the end when you start hearing me repeat the stuff that I said at the very beginning. So the, the Sabbath was about the choice between debt and bondage or sacrifice and eternal life. Uh, if we sow debt upon the field of living souls all around us, that's what the fields were, that's where all the other living souls are, will generate the fruits of destruction. That's what sowing debt does. It weakens the people because they didn't work first and they didn't earn the benefit. And, and it will bring depression, by the way, because like I said, it, most all the depression in the country, I mean, there's some chemical depression caused by drugs and bad eating. And uh, there's actually been people who are having all kinds of uh, behavioral problems that we change their diet just slightly and they just disappeared. And because of the fact that, you know, you do live in that physical body and that can create all kinds of stress in itself. But ultimately, if you want to get rid of depression, you have to start caring about other people. You have to take the focus off of your own discomfort and be concerned about the discomfort of other people, the trials and tribulations of other people. And in order to do that, you have to forgive. And, and then when you forgive, then you can give. All these are things that Christ is telling you about. And Christ is telling you how to find the kingdom of God where you're a free soul under God. That's what he's trying to tell you. He's not trying to tell you how to go to church on Sunday or Saturday and sing songs. While the rest of the week you covet your neighbor's goods to the men who exercise authority. You bring tyranny into the land because you want what you want and you want it now. And you want to think you're a good person even while you covet your neighbor's goods. You won't see. You, you will be blinded. And you will follow blind guides. And you will, and you will vote for Measure 114. And even if you don't measure, vote for Measure 114 and you vote against it, you won't know why. You'll just vote against it because it makes you mad. 
Not good enough. That's not, that's not going to make you a, a soldier in the kingdom of God. You're going to need more power than that. And we won't go into that because I don't think we have enough time. But, uh, so the, the idea of sowing debt, and that's what both parties have been doing for a hundred years, sowing debt in the fields of living souls and have been generating the fruit of destruction. They have been taking and taking and taking. They weren't satisfied with taking from your neighbors. They were taking from your neighbor's children and grandchildren. That's what they were doing when they were running up debt. So that clause back there, when I talked about the school book that was given to your children 30 years ago, and I could show you the same kind of garbage in school books 50, 60, 70 years ago that you probably had. That that clause about nothing shall be held as payment of debt but gold and silver wasn't about the fact that only the government can print money. <laughs> government doesn't even really print the money anymore. But um, it's somebody else who issues the money. They had to get a private party to do it. And they can do this. What they did is not necessarily illegal. It's not righteous, but it's not illegal. And they were very clever in the way they did it. If, you, if somebody's saying, oh, it's all fraud. The guys who claim it's all, go read an article on fraud. No, it's, you're the fraud. Because you haven't been seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You have been sowing sacrifice amongst the people by your own charity. If you lay down your life for your fellow man, you'll pick up life more abundant. You, in order to do that, you have to actually take the time to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. That means that you have to come together and find out what your neighbor actually needs. Now, that doesn't mean you have to give it to him. It means that you have to have the conversation. And this is going to come up in the shows to come because we're going to go back to freedom of speech. It's not just the freedom of speech any more than it's just the freedom of religion. Because religion isn't what you talk about. Religion is what you do. So that conversation, that freedom of speech is what you do. It's not just what you say. And you have to bring all these things together. But if you won't even sacrifice the time to come together once a week, even on the phone, to talk about each other and the needs of your society, how in the world will you stand against the foes of evil? or the foes of unrighteousness, which is the evil that is coming, you won't be able to do it. That you have to do, and I will use the word religiously. You have to discipline your heart to take the time. I don't know how many people have told me, I've listened to you for seven years, never joined the network. I've listened to you for ten years, never joined the network. They never become a part of a congregation of people that are supposed to be learning what it means to care about others as much as you care about yourself. I mean, you it's hard enough for most people to learn to care about their wife or care about their husband or even care about their children. Now, that's what we see people locking up their children, putting them in, not feeding them. That's That's really degenerate. But a free society not only cares about the children and their family, they care about the children and the next family. They don't only care about their wife, their husband. They care about the couple next door and the couple down the road and the couple on the other side of the country. Because what's coming is not just coming locally. It's coming everywhere. And you need to care 
If you want God to care about you. If you want God to hear your voice, you need to care about the voice of others. And and that's why he said, I will not hear you in that day. Well, we know that you have been taking and taking and taking and taking away from your neighbor, your neighbor's children, your neighbor's future for a hundred years in America. You've been borrowing and borrowing against the future. You haven't been keeping the Sabbath. Uh, I don't care what day you gather together. That's not keeping the Sabbath because the Sabbath is away. And the state of the nation is not the fault of the government. It's not the fault of the Federal Reserve. It's not the fault of Brandon, (laughs) whoever you want to blame. It's your fault. It's your fault. Because deep down, you know you should care about others as much as you care about yourself. You should care about the rights of others as much as you care about yourself. This anger and unforgiveness is not the solution. It clouds your vision. Yoda told you that. (laughs) It draws you into the dark side. You need, you know, here I am chuckling, and this is, this is my fire and brimstone, sir. (laughs) Talking about the starvation, death, destruction, (laughs) uh, foreign invasion, everything. And I'm, and he's laughing. Why is he laughing? Because I know something you don't know. <laughs> I know there is a God. A real God. I didn't make him up. He's not an invention of my imagination. He's really there. And he will really make a difference. But you got to listen to what he's telling you deep down in your heart. Most people don't want to go deep down in their heart. Because that's where all the depression and depravity and anger and resentment is coming from. We had a discussion with somebody... I was talking about how kids were lashing out that terrible parents and terrible home life. And they lash out at other kids at the school. And they said, well, he made me angry. No, the anger was in you already. The anger was in you because you, you don't understand forgiveness and because you've got terrible parents that are making you angry and everything. But if you forgive your parents, if you forgive Sleepy Joe, if you forgive Schumer, if you forgive the vaccine companies, I mean, a lot of you, that's going to be really hard to do once you realize what's happened. If you forgive the Wuhan labs who invented this, if you forget, forgive the communist Chinese that are playing you, if you forgive all of them, then you can actually walk into the presence of the real God, the creator of the universe, and not feel such pain. See, when I attack your delusion... It isn't me you're mad at. You know, you can point your anger at me. I love you just the same. (laughs) But, (laughs) which is my armor. But the reality is, is that you're being sucked into the dark side by that anger. You don't want that anger. You don't want to entertain that anger. There is a solution. And that is the solution of love. John the Baptist told you. You know, if your neighbor has two coats and you have, or you, excuse me, if your neighbor has no coat and you have two coats, share. Do the same in meats. But common sense, the mathematics of people like Brzezinski <laughs> that I, I mentioned earlier, 
means that you need to come together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like all the free societies of history have done and start caring about, obviously you should care about your family, but then now you're going to practice caring about nine other families. And that's about the total of it. You're going to actually know those families to some degree. You're going to gather with them, at least talk to them, share with them once a week and try to find out what you can do for others, what you think you could do for people you don't even know. Uh, you have to push the blue button. Remember the story of the red button where you push the red button and somebody somewhere you don't even know dies, but you get a million dollars, you get a billion dollars, you get out of debt. <laughs> But there should be a story of the blue button, except that I get all confused with the red and blue thing. <laughs> but but uh, where you just push this button and somebody somewhere actually gets something they actually need. Well, that's what you do. But you actually get to decide where it goes to some degree. You can decide, do I give it to this minister? Is he going to share it with others in a way that strengthens the poor? Because that's your goal. You don't want to just give. You want to give in a way that it strengthens communities and the poor people in communities and poor communities and poor nations. And it strengthens those people who are also repenting and turning around and seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If you actually started doing this, and there's a skill in that, and you actually were listening to the Holy Spirit while you were doing that, it would turn around the portion of the nation that repents. And if you could just get 5% of America, you don't have to get 51% like they do in a democracy, but we actually remember the United States is a democracy within a republic. That's according to the creed of America that has actually been entered into the congressional record, that it is a democracy within a republic. Your salvation is not in the democracy. Your salvation is in Christ. But it's only in Christ if you do what Christ says. If you're a doer of His Word. And His Word said to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start loving one another. With your coat, with the same in meats, and the same in social welfare. Start. Just start. God will fill in the gaps. But if you don't start... If you don't sit down and start gathering together with the intent of the character of Christ in your heart, how will it grow? The seed must be planted. And when it's planted, the seed dies so that it can be born again. That's where you're born again. If you think you're born again because of an emotional experience back on March 16th or whatever year it was, think again. Because if you read just a couple of verses beyond that, you'll see that, wait a minute, if you don't like the light, the reason America is in trouble is because America has not been a Christian nation. It hasn't been doing what Christ said. It's actually most Christians have been doing what Christ said not to do. Don't go to the rulers who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. To provide you with your daily ministration. To eat at the table of men who are engaged in covetous practices, taking away from your neighbor, borrowing against the future of your children. You're not to be doing that. 
according to Christ, according to Paul, according to James, according to Peter. Those are covetous practices. They will make you human resources. He uses the word we translate into merchandise. Same thing. But he says it also will curse your children. They are cursed with a debt they can never pay. And the day of reckoning has come. But if you repent, if you think differently, if you think like Christ said to think all along, and you gather together in his character, in his name, you know, there are people actually arguing, you got to say Yeshua. you got to say Yahweh. That's the letter. No, the character of his name. Willing to sacrifice yourself for others. Otherwise, you don't become a band of brothers. You don't become a band of righteousness. You don't become a band that God will intervene and protect. That's up to you. That's within your reach. Because the kingdom of God is within your reach. You just got to reach out. Walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk. Walk the walk. So join us at preparingyou.com. Go to the network links. Right over on the side, you see network. Click on it. There's somewhere in the world, wherever you are. We don't have a network on the moon yet. <laughs> so so if you're in, I don't know if we're visible in China, but we certainly have an area for China. <laughs> we have some people in Asia. Uh, join that network. Now, joining that network, that email network, pick an email you don't usually use if you want. But join that network so that you can make contact and with that contact that you get in there, start forming a network not dependent upon the Internet, dependent upon the tens, hundreds, and thousands who want to seek the righteousness of God and His kingdom. And that's where you need to be. And so anyway... Until then, I'll have to say, peace on your house, and may God be with you. See you on the network. I want to see you guys joining up. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www dot his holy church dot net